Here comes ad content. Yeah, I think we have a culture, we've developed a culture, especially in church circles, where we are so oblivious and ignorant of other people's pain. God, we're seeing that all over the place now with racial issues and just the inability to empathize. We built a church on certainty that fears everything against it. Hey there, you beautiful people. How are you? So today at recording this, it is Thursday, January 7th. I just got home from work and I spent the day wondering what I saw yesterday. And I don't usually talk on the podcast necessarily about events in real time, but there was an image that I saw yesterday that has haunted me. Like I literally thought about it as I went to bed last night. I thought about it all day at work. And that image was Trump 2020. And underneath that, it says Jesus for president or something to the similar of that or something to that effect. And uh, I don't know, y'all. I try to I try to give a wide berth to so many different viewpoints because I almost always learn from all of them, even when I disagree with them 100%. I've found space to learn there. But I about lost my stuff yesterday. Oh, I have so much more I want to say, but, but I don't know how to put what I want to say into words very well. Not at this moment. Now, you're probably wondering, what the heck does that have to do with an episode of the Can I Say This at Church podcast? And um, if this is your first episode listening... Because uh, you're a friend of the guest, or you know, iTunes recommended it today. Um, in a minute, we'll get back to normal. But I just felt like I needed to say something. People of faith, whatever addiction that we have, and that's what it is. It's an addiction to power. It was on full display yesterday, and then I watched this morning replays of senators and congressmen basically exalting the Capitol building as if it's some form of church and houses a deity. I mean, they called it like temple and they called it some other words that should be reserved for something way larger than a house of laws and a house full of argument and a house that belittles other people. Both sides do that, by the way. And it's just, we've got to do so much better. If we don't, what is the whole point? So church, we've got to figure it out and we're going to have to do that together. And I fully mean this. We have to learn to listen to one another and we have to learn to disagree with one another because we're all isolated and we're all alone. This year has done that to us and social media has put us in these echo chambers and we aren't built to be alone and we're not built to be isolated and don't hear me say that and put down the coronavirus because that's a real thing. And I know people that have lost people uh, to the virus. However, we've got to get so much better and we need to do it now. We need to figure out how to hear one another again. We've forgotten how to listen to each other. And I think because of that, we've forgotten how to listen to the voice of the divine because you and I bear a small piece of that voice. I mean, that's what the Bible is full of, right? 
It's full of people speaking as the mouthpiece of God, the prophets and the priests, Jesus. So what does that have to do with today's episode? So Forrest Clay is on the show and Forrest has shared a EP with me and you're going to hear some of that music with his permission interwoven into the episode. And I'm going to tell you, these songs are haunting because I hear my story and I know from emailing and talking with many of you, your story in these songs. I hear the stories of my friends in these songs and I lament the church in these songs. It was not a happy EP, but I think it matters. Here we go. Welcome to the show in an episode with Forrest Clay. Welcome to the show, man. I'm terrified by your last name, so we're not going to do it. People can look it's in the fine. show notes. We're not going to do that. But it's, I don't even know what day it is. This It's the middle of December. It's almost mm-hmm. Christmas. It's mm-hmm. late. You just got Very off late. work. I just yes. put all the kids to bed. We're both exhausted. But I figure yes. this is the probably the best time to have a yes. conversation because... Yes. Why no not? promises that mine won't come traipsing through the door over here. <laughs> well, I can... um Some sort of something. We'll, we'll just have him be on the show. Um, <laughs> anyway, man, welcome. Thanks for coming on to the show. And and Marty, I don't think Marty's listened to any of these episodes. I mean, he'll he'll tell me not. he will be. But he'll listen to this one because he's friends with you. So, Marty, sure. thanks for putting us together. But yeah, man, who are you? Like people that are listening may or may not know who you are. What mm-hmm. are you? Who are you? Sure. Why are you? My name is Clay Kirchenbauer, and I'm getting ready to release music under the name Forrest Clay because Kirchenbauer is far too hard to spell, (laughs) and Forrest is my first name. So I am from a little town in Ohio, kind of between um, Toledo and Cleveland. Lived here for 20 years since uh, junior high and uh, grew up in a fundamental Baptist household. You know the type. Mm, Uh, I am the type. You are the type. Okay. So I once, I played, I played basketball for my high school, my Christian high school. And there were multiple occasions where we would play road games where I would have to wear pants in the basketball game. So that gives you the idea of kind of my background. Why, so, why pants? I've never had to wear pants in a basketball game. Yeah. Well, male calves can be uh, very sexual. <laughs> To whom? The the, the, the players? The, the participants? I, I, the, you know what? If the spectators? If that's what you're into. So <laughs> now we didn't have to do that at our home games. But uh, my wife, who I met in high school, she can attest to the, um, the very long cheerleading skirts that they had to wear. <laughs> um, I think they did loosen up and let them wear pants. My senior, but you get the picture, okay? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's where I come from. That is, the, uh. 
Yes. <laughs> so my musical um, background, uh, my parents were, my dad is an incredible piano player. My mom gave voice lessons and we grew up um, being dragged around from Baptist church to Baptist church, uh, you know, just singing songs and I'd be forced to be up front and sing songs. And my mother's dad was like a Baptist church planter. Mm. And so her whole life was, uh, she never lived anywhere longer than three years. Um, they would, you know, move somewhere, plant a church and leave. And so that was just their whole background. I only moved once as a kid, but, um, that was, you know, that was kind of our childhood. And then as I graduated, and moved on to like a big box evangelical church and spent 10 years as a music minister there. And through all that time, I was in a band called The Undeserving. And um, that's a whole nother podcast story. But we um, had a major record deal with Warner Brothers Records and mm. got to tour the country and did all sorts of cool stuff. But it was six years of misery and being broke. And uh, when we were finally able to get off the label in 2012, it was a big relief. Huh. And um, somewhere around 2015, I left the church I was at through all that time um, as I was kind of beginning my deconstruction, which uh, for me started with creation theology mm. and, you know, being shocked the first time I found out there were Christians who didn't think the earth was 6,000 years old. <laughs> there, and, there definitely are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can tell you that my epiphany was watching a debate between John Lennox and Christopher Hitchens. And it was all fascinating to me. But then when they both agreed that the earth was old, I was absolutely dumbfounded. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where my uh, ball of yarn started unraveling. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So you've been married how long now? We got married in 2007. And so 13 yes, we, years of, of calf-induced marital bliss is what you're telling <laughs> that's me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It was the calves. <laughs> yes. It was the calves. Oh, man. There's been a lot of firsts set on the show. Nobody's mm. ever called calves sexual. I had no plans um, of mentioning that when, I, <laughs> when you hit record and it just kind of came out. So you're welcome. <laughs> hey, you know, it's... it's <laughs> Um, uh, so I do want to, I want to circle back on some of that. So mm -hmm. first, what do you mean by big box evangelical church? Like that's like big box sure. for me is like Best Buy, Walmart, yeah. Sam's Club. So I would probably just refer to that as anything in the generally more theological and, um, politically conservative mm. churches that are in along the lines of like a Bethel or gotcha. even, even like Andy Stanley's type of theology but um like any that's a big range i get but you know that kind of thing very american yeah conservative leaning yeah. evangelical churches with all the lights and the show and the sound and yeah that kind of deal yeah got it got it yeah okay mm -hmm. i can i can get with you there i've been in those churches sure. sometimes yes. those are fun when i want to be yes. entertained um Absolutely. i've never really grown in those churches but mm -hmm. you can be entertained very, mm -hmm. very easily. I didn't know you were in a band called The Undeserving. I know you said it that's was. an entirely separate podcast. Yes. What kind of music is that? As soon as we're done, I'm going to Spotify okay. or YouTube and I'm going to binge it because Sure. So we were I like a, a piano pop band and I had written a few pop songs that we had um, kind of had recorded somewhere in like 2006, 2007. Right, oh six. It was before I got married, and these songs kind of got in the hands of some like Christian labels and that kind of thing. And we had label interest before we had 
played a show together hmm. just because of these, like I just went to Nashville and Rick recorded these songs, you know, before we even had really formed a band, that kind of thing. Hmm. And so um, we spent two years just working our butts off playing as many shows as possible. And then finally kind of got in the right position, met the right people and were able to, to sign a major deal. Hmm. And uh, we had a lot of amazing experiences. The only real, claim to fame I have is we had we were able to pay off our record advance with TV placements which is kind of like unheard of in these these days but so our, our record never got released till after we were off of the label hmm. but we paid back our advances by just having we had songs on all sorts of big TV shows American Idol and really big net big network shows that licensed how a few of our a, songs how have I never, anyway, so chances yeah. are you've actually heard a few of the songs but I'm you gonna, have no idea yeah so we're gonna we're gonna pivot from there but after i'm sure. done recording i'm gonna listen to that yeah because why not <laughs> um yeah that's fascinating so i will yep. say so i like to sing um mm-hmm. and i and i want to pivot in but i want to i want to drill down in some of your lyrics because i think that's going to kind of unravel um, sure. just just faith in general because your lyrics and i think i told you this when we started talking a little bit earlier whenever the month mm-hmm. was, November, beginning of December, like, dude, you, you can write some, li- I, I'm assuming these are all you, like there's no like co-writers, mm-hmm. like you're just, yeah, yeah. And I also like, anyway, so we'll, we'll get there. So before I get there though, I am, te- so I, I can't sing as high as you. I've tried actually in, <laughs> in the car to sing with you and mm-hmm. um, it just didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. So as a singer, what amount of confidence does one need to go up to that falsetto that you seem to do just because you feel like, you know, yeah, we're 10 seconds in, let's do this. Let's just hit the false, <laughs> let's just let's just sustain it for a minute and then drop back down. Like, sure. What amount so, of confidence is required for that, just for those that want to try to be a singer? Well, yeah, what you're not hearing there is the, um, you know, hour of like vocal exercises that I'm doing before <laughs> I sing. So this summer, even via in the midst of COVID, I played, um, to make a living, I started doing cover shows at like wineries. So we live up by the lake in Ohio, up by Lake Erie, and there's wineries all over the place. And so I was actually, I kind of finally bit the bullet and put together like three hours of covers. And I would, you know, I'd sprinkle some original songs in there sometimes. And singing for three hours straight is something that I had never done before. Painful. Um, it was bad at first. By the end of the summer, it was no problem at all. And um, even shows or even weeks where I had, you know, two or three shows, like that third show was like better than the first one. Mm. Man, your voice is a muscle. So if you let it sit, it goes back and mine does it to me. My shows have all ended because of it's winter and it's cold and, and you're not allowed to play music indoors in Ohio right now, which is fantastic and awful. And so I basically sing two songs a week on Sunday mornings at the church I'm currently at. And I will often have voice cracks and like, Mm -hmm. it it just gets, if you don't exercise it, it gets bad. And they said, Jen, you must go. We didn't know your quest would lead you down this road. We can't have you 
you must go. I agree. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I didn't. So I lead the worship at my church. And I say lead. I, I sing probably the bulk of the music. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, for a while you're in a rhythm. And then I didn't sing or play the guitar for like mm-hmm. four months because of the lockdowns and everything. And then when we finally were able to get back together, I think like late September, I tried to sing. And I just decided to try to sing like some songs that should have been in my range. And then when mm-hmm. I tried to play them, I was like, I don't, I don't, what's happening in there? I don't, sure. where did you go, friend? Come back, come back to me. So I sang in the car for like a month, the same song over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again. And eventually it came back, but I still mm-hmm. don't have that range. But I will say, so I was playing it even tonight and I was just sitting there trying to hum with the falsetto. I couldn't do it. it pissed me off. So <laughs> I'm, I'm slightly jealous, slightly angry. It's enough to make me, anyway, it, it just mm-hmm. makes me angry. Anyway, so the recovery EP, mm-hmm. what are you trying to do? What's his purpose? What's his point? Because the songs, sure. the songs are fantastic, and and I know. Uh, and so, so thanks for sending them. Um, for no those problem. listening, I've I've been I've been able to listen. And for those that are listening, they may not currently, depending on when this episode comes out, be able to hear all of them. What are you trying to get at? What are you trying to rip apart? And kind of a yeah. why? Sure. So, like I said, I spent most of my life in you know fundamentalist type of environments, and my parents are wonderful people, and I think, though, when you're kind of in that environment, it's hard to avoid trauma in many aspects. You know, just the rules, not just the rules, but the control, the the power dynamics. And I just kind of began really to see the church line itself up with conservative politics and me kind of spending most of my life as, you know, a conservative. All of a sudden, I should say that I wrote this, I wrote most of this EP shortly after the 2016 election. So it's been sitting in my laptop for several years. So I think I wrote Recover sometime right after the 2016 election. And so at that point I had, as my theological beliefs had deconstructed, that led me also out of conservative politics. And as I watched the church line itself up with conservative politics, it just was painful to me. And and like so many people have expressed uh, all of those things of, you know, watching your friends and your family who had instilled these, you know, kind of w- wonderful values into you, uh, you know, values like kindness and respect and nobility and honor and um, faithfulness elect someone then who didn't represent any of those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like many people, especially many people my age, that was enough for me to to just have a good cry and sit and write some songs about it. Yeah. And, uh, and that was kind of the start of it for sure. I think I told you this before, but the lyric where um, I can remember where I was driving to work, I actually pulled over at an Exxon to rewind mm-hmm. it because I was listening, you know, in Dropbox and I can't control mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the slider. Um, <laughs> sure. But the lyric in in Recover, which will most likely be out by the time this yeah. airs, because I'll- Yeah, I'll, it's out. It's oh, out now. It's out, yep. not perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the lyric is, can I read your own lyrics yeah. back to you? Sure. Yeah, so yeah. you said, I learned from a book that you had taken the heart out of. I'm assuming you mm-hmm. mean the Bible there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I learned how to make exclusion look like love. And that yes. last line, like, it, it, I think it's the way you actually sing the word love, mm. that like it, it just, the timber just falls off. Like it just- it just falters like it just falls on its knees and just Mm. like rolls on the floor i don't know there's just but i can remember so what are you getting at there so what in in the the church that you grew up in is making Mm. exclusion look like love 
and I say that tongue in cheek because I agree with yes. you. But yes, yeah. it's kind of it kind of stems from that idea of like hate the sin, love the sinner. Mm. You know that kind of idea. I specifically remember one specific instance where someone had like messaged our church's Facebook page and they had asked about um, that they, you know they were like. Um, they were in the LGBTQ community or, or someone that, you know, someone that they live with or something like this. And they were just wondering like what the church's position was on it. This and is the church I, you were singing at? Sure. Yeah. And, and obviously I kind of knew that, what that position was. And I was the one responding, but I was, I had access to the Facebook page so I could see the interaction. And I just remember them giving kind of like that generic, like everyone is welcome mm-hmm. here response that is so common and they asked for a follow-up like no what is your actual like are yeah. we welcome there like are we affirmed yeah. can there? i take communion there because i get married yes, exactly <laughs> if we adopt a kid can we baptize exactly <laughs> yeah. and and to me that's kind of what that lyric is mm. that maybe not that specific instance but like those kind of examples happen so often and i just got tired of seeing friends and family not be welcomed Mm. and that's what that line is yeah Mm. what changes for you now you said you lead two songs a sunday or whatever Mm -hmm. at your church versus when you were leading worship at a big box evangelical Mm -hmm. church um i like that actually my wife uses the word dock in a box for the emerge care i'm going to use big box (laughs) for the church thing um there you go yeah every time i I say where i heard that but yeah i like it it i like it well you can take dock in a box every time i say it people are like oh i like that i'm like yes just (laughs) pop in pop out get a prescription let's go dock in a box let's let's make it happen um what is the biggest difference that you found where you're like yeah when i'm singing and i'm leading worship in i'm assuming a smaller church i don't yes i don't know yes so i'm in a united methodist church right now and i reluctantly got asked to do this like I think a year and a half ago. So I went from the big church to a smaller version of kind of a similar denomination, spent a year there, left that church, spent another year at an Alliance church who um, the pastor there is still one of my good friends. And then really didn't, you know, they still theologically, I was kind of already progressing past kind of where they were at, but I loved what they did in their community. And it was like the first time that I really just appreciated a congregation as a whole and the the leadership. And, but I still like theologically, I still was kind of just like, "Ah, I don't believe any of this stuff anymore. And so then I got asked to do this worship service. They had, you know, at this uh, United Methodist church in town. And um, I did not want to do it at all, Mm. but um, you know, the music business is not much of a business for many of us. And so I called the pastor and I just, for the first time ever, I was just like, Hey, this is where I'm at. And, uh, if you want me to come do this, then you got to be okay with it. And, uh, you mean it was theologically, all good. theologically, the, here's where I'm at. Yes. Theologically, politically, mm-hmm. and all of those things. And it w- it worked out great. And so, you know, it's not a full-time job or anything like that, but it's, uh, something I do on Sunday mornings. And now we have a, a drive-in service because of COVID. A drive-in um, service. What is this? Yes. Most of our congregation are, you know, elderly or, you know, boomers and that kind of thing. And so we've just been extra really careful with COVID. And so we have a uh, like an outdoor shelter house, like a little like a little canopy type thing Mm -hmm. that somebody donated. And we have a FM wireless transmitter, Ah. a couple microphones, and we just Ah. everybody drives in and stays in their cars and uh, 
we do church like that. I didn't. Uh, huh. That's cool. So we do. We pass out little communion cups and then have I do two songs, little twenty minute sermon, communion, and we're we're out of there. You're doing the sermon too? I don't do the sermon. No. Oh. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. No one would want that. He's preaching in here. Um <laughs> give me a minute. We'll be right back. Does she care that I doubt? Does she care that I fear? Something tells me God will survive. So take a breath, breathe it in, the mystery that is this, a universe we don't know, I think the truth is, if God has a face, his face must look like you. I want to talk about Dear God. Okay. Mostly, so the first time I listened to it, I liked it okay. But as mm-hmm. I've listened to it more and more and more, um, mm-hmm. I've listened to it like once a day now. And I actually have some feedback that has nothing to do with the oh, episode. Sure. <laughs> I sure. uh, Let me just tell you that because it, it, mm-hmm. it's probably just me. I really thought at the end you were going mm-hmm. to begin naming John and, and everyone else from You Must Go. Oh, you didn't, yeah. but I any, didn't think about that. Anyhow, <laughs> just to kind of tie it all together. But I realized that you wrote them all at separate times. And so sure. maybe not. But at the end, it was actually yesterday. I think I thought about it. I was like, mm-hmm. why don't you just, why don't you just pull in the same names? Anyway, it doesn't there matter. You, you could re-record it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but dear God, what is that kind of, what's the why behind that? What are you trying to get at there? Sure. Um, so the song's called Does God, sorry. Oh. Not Dear God. Does God. Dang it, I can't read without my glasses on. That's okay. Totally yeah. fine. Does God is was the most recent song, and I wrote that song after reading um, The Universal Christ, mm. and I also read Michael Gunger's book, This, and I've really been drawn to the idea of, you know, I, obviously Richard Rohr is such a giant in, in theology, and he's impacted my world greatly but i've really been drawn to the idea of like panentheism versus kind of like a pantheism and dissecting the differences and kind of hopping back and forth but just the idea that the universe is or you know we are the universe observing itself but then also that god is among us and is us and i love richard Rohr's line that you know god loves things by becoming them Mm. and that line really jumped at me and um and so does God is basically a series of questions followed by the only affirmation or the only really answer I have is that like this, what the, the moment that we're in is God is in the sense that like, this is what we experience. This is, this is the universe as it is. This is a gift. If that makes any sense at all, that was kind yeah. of a ramble, but yeah. that's, and so like, as I go through the bridge and I name kind of people and groups of people, uh, especially I tried to be culturally diverse. I did my best. Um, I mentioned uh, the first line is kind of maybe jumps out at people as like a weird rhyme. Uh, Russ and his husband, Gus. That's my uncle Russ and his husband, Gus. Mm. And his daughter, Alexis, did the recover art. And she is doing the art for 
does God as well. It will be released as a single with a full string arrangement and everything, full orchestration. Mm. And so all that to say, that's where that song comes from. It, it really was inspired by those two books. Mm. And um, I'm really excited to release that. I have not well. read this. I have listened to portions of that podcast, this, um, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it. I want you to rip apart a lyric in verse two. Mm-hmm. So the lyric is, did God kill his kid? Um, mm-hmm. Which the word kid there really hits hard for me. Because mm-hmm. um, that's so, that's my boy. Like it's different. Right. It's almost different than son. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. more personal. Did he have to have blood before he could forgive? Maybe we made a God to look like us. Sure. What do you think that God looks like? Like what have we as a people, as a church, as a nation, as a faith, as a whatever metaphor or word you want to put on that? Like, what do you think we've made God look like? And then where should we pivot? Absolutely. Well, I think through, you know, obviously much of history and including Old Testament history, God is quite vengeful. And uh, I think for me, when I started to go down the penal substitution uh, road and start to really analyze that and deconstruct that, it became less and less um, meaningful to me and and more and more traumatizing. And you know what did it for me on that was the, there's a meme going around and it's Jesus knocking at a door. Mm. I don't know if you've seen, you know I'm going yeah, with It's this. repurposed often. I like the Halloween yes. one. My Halloween version. I've seen that one. It's him trick or treating. He's holding a thing. Yes. And um, they, you know, they they redo the words to make it, but it really does make me laugh every That's, time. You it's, you know the meme. It's so really like, inappropriate, but I love it. Totally. <laughs> and so that was like, okay, how can God use violence for good? It it goes against God's nature completely. And so that line, you know, is about maybe God is not like this. Maybe we want God to be like this because that's how we are. And that's, I just tried to do my best to express that in that second verse. Yeah. Yeah. The other song, and I think this is the one that I messaged you about, um, Go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily want you to give away the song, um, mm. but can you kind of tell me the heart behind that song? Because I, again, I am, yeah, sure. I want to, I want to leave people that, wanting something. But, so that song, yeah. this You Must Go comes from, personal experiences watching people no longer feel welcome within the church. And um, yeah, the first verse is about a gay man. Second verse is about someone who deconstructs. And then the third verse is about a black woman, you know, in a white culture and kind of their stories on how they no longer fit in and, and can't stay in the churches they're at. As a worship pastor, I mean, that's what I'm going to call you right now, because why not? You're still leading worship, and that's what you're... You're once a pastor, always a pastor. Um, sure. Do you see hope at all after, say, COVID is done, or three years mm-hmm. from now, everybody's taking the vaccine, because why not? And you know, things mm-hmm. are back to whatever semblance of normalcy, because I, I don't know that I have much hope for the church, which is really scary, because I like my church. Um, mm. I like the community there. I like that my church also sounds like similar to yours where I'm allowed to question. I'm also allowed to say I'm not singing this song because um, yes. I have an issue with some of the I theology. Do all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, outside of the, you know, recording right before Christmas, like I'm not singing Mary, did you know? I'm just, I right. hate that song and I'm not yes. going to sing it. Agreed. Ever. That song, if hell is real, that song is on repeat <laughs> on vinyl, the nice vinyl where you can hear the, you know, yeah. So do you find any hope at all? Or do you think there is any hope at all for people like me, people like you, people who are listening to the show that are like, 
I can't like I'm I've deconstructed I'm on the other side God is something entirely different and um, the reason I ask that question is there's a lyric in the song where you say you know we love you but we can't love you and so you yeah. must go and I think that that's really the attitude and the posture of a lot of churches yeah on both ends on both the conservative end and on the progressive end because if you're not Absolutely. accepting enough we can't love you you've got to go and right. if you're you know if you love the wrong gender can't love mm-hmm. you we must go you know so yes. is there do you see anything what hope is there is there i i find lots and lots of hope in individuals who do amazing things who sacrifice and are committed to serving their communities and the people around them i find lots of hope in those types of things i don't find hope in the system of the church and its hierarchies. You know, obviously I say that as someone who now is in a mainline denomination. I have hope for some denominations more than others. <laughs> but I, I uh, as a whole, like the church as a whole, I think is going to have to do some massive self-examination over the next few years. Especially if they, I mean, the, the statistics are obvious. Like, you know, young people are leaving in droves and... Um, you know, myself included. And I think mass self-examination is due. The hard part is, to me, much of its tie to conservative politics is rooted in some sort of theology as well. And I think it's hard to separate those two things. And a lot of people smarter than I have tried and analyzed that. But I think those two things are going to have to be broken. Like, I think theologically conservative people are going to have to figure out how to disconnect their conservative theology from their conservative politics. Mm. I think that also goes the other way as well. But, you know, they were the ones that elected Donald Trump. And I think that is, that has to be reckoned with Yeah, on some level. Absolutely. You said you grew up uh, fundamentalist mm-hmm. Baptist. I grew up independent Baptist, which is, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, Same. yeah. So, oh, there we go. A lot of people are like, yeah, I don't, that's, that's, that's even more, Yep. There, there are pockets we, we of were that. independent fundamental, like yeah. both words were included. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think ours was independent regular Baptist. Um, okay. I don't even know what regular Baptists are. All I know is we look down at a lot of other people. Absolutely. We, if, if there was a high church, we thought we were it. And uh, <laughs> we definitely were not, but we thought we were. And um, yeah, so I have found it hard to reconcile any conversations about faith because we just, mm-hmm. I just don't agree and yeah. I, I bought heads with so many different things. So you said that, you know, you grew up and that's just like ingrained in your family. How mm-hmm. has it been both writing music in the way that this is? Because I have to assume you've let your family listen. And mm-hmm. then like, where are you at with that? How do you navigate through that? Or are they like, yeah, no, we support you 100%. It sounds pretty. God, yeah. he's going to burn in hell. Or is it the opposite? No. Is it the opposite it's, way? It's a continual discussion and continual process that will probably continue for a long time. Our relationships are rooted in love. And I think that is more than some people have. And for that, I'm very grateful. Yeah. What song on this album was the hardest for you to actually sing? Not necessarily write, but sing. Mm, Recover. Recover to me is the most raw expression of of pain. I think we have a culture, we've developed a culture, especially in church circles, where we are so oblivious no, and ignorant of other people's pain. 
God, we're seeing that all over the, all place, over the place now with racial issues and just the inability to empathize. And God, I wrote this song so long ago, it's hard for me to really remember the whole process, but it didn't take me the very long. I remember these lyrics coming out very quickly, which is not normal for me. Mm. Um, And I remember lots of tears writing them. It it, it was was a really just a raw expression of, of, of pain. You know what I mean? And just like saying, I'm going to write this song. That's really free of metaphor. (laughs) There's, there's no guessing what I'm talking about here, you know? And just like, Hey, this is, this is what I see and it hurts. Yeah. And I don't, know how to process it totally so and, and honestly even the the last line was hard to write i think there's a way for us to love and heal the world sometimes i think that yeah well again this song as well the i won't do it anymore that falsetto yes yes i'm just telling you man that falsetto your falsetto is the calves of singing it's the calves of the album it's yeah <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> it's there so you talked about young earth creationism mm. what are some of the other things that you're like nope that is total BS. Like there's no way that that even matters. <laughs> like what are some of those other things? End times theology. Oh. Man, it's been a while since I've talked about these things. Um, <laughs> I mean, creation theology is the easiest one for me to talk about because I spent several years going through it, even while still at my church. One of my older songs, my, my previous, the last music I put out like three years ago uh, was called The Creation EP. And there's a song on there called, um, God, I don't know what it's called. It's the first track. And uh, <laughs> it is, it you know, it was written, the, the, the chorus line is, everyone was made to feel 14 billion years of love. Yes. And, you know, I wrote that song at my church in the choir room, you know, mm-hmm. and this is, this is the church that didn't hold those beliefs. And that process for me was like, like I said earlier, the, just that epiphany of this is not matching up with the reality that I observe yeah, on a daily basis. And then I spent several years kind of going down that pathway, going from like, oh, there's this old earth creationism. And then there's, you know, there's like the biologos people and, um, you know, et cetera. And I kind of went through all of those phases yeah. at one point or another. Yeah, I can, I mirror or I, I can echo a lot of that. I can remember for me, it was a virgin birth. That was the first thing. Yeah, and then that's just, a big one. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. then when I realized, I'm like, wait. So that's, oh, damn. And so the, he just mistranslated a bad translation and then Jerome put it in because that's, and that's my whole Bible and your Bible. And mm-hmm. what the, come on, come on. And I can remember yes. people getting, they're like, why can't you just let it leave it alone? I was like, leave it alone. Like, right. do, do you don't understand? Like, context matters. You want sure. me to leave it alone? Like Snapchat in a thousand years from now, nobody will know what that is without context. So don't tell me right. leave it well, alone. Even even the Gospels in the life of Jesus, you have you know thirty years between when he was here and when these people wrote this stuff down. Uh, thirty years at best, really, is what we're talking about. And so, yeah. just those ideas, like, okay, what what do I misremember from three years? Ago? What are the most <laughs> impactful moments of my life that I misremember? Yeah, or that get blown out of proportion. You know, I. I remember that I scored 25 points in that game where I had to wear pants. You know what I mean? But I may have only scored 13. I don't remember. But all of that to say, this is why Richard Rohr, again, has been so meaningful for me. Literalism is the lowest form of meaning. Mm. And that has saved whatever semblance of faith that I have. 
that has that has allowed me to see the gospels and the Jesus story in in a way that um, the questions I ask about it are no longer, you know, did it happen or not? Because yeah. that means so much less to me than how can my life be transformed by the the mm. love and mystery of this story. Yeah. So I got just a couple more questions and then I'll give you back to your evening because what are we at? I don't even remember. Are you in the same time zone as me or no? Yes. Yeah. Eastern. So, yeah. So we're definitely, we're coming on 1030. So um, someone sits down, they light a candle because that's the way I like to listen to music. I'm one of those, like uh, someone just recommended to me the new Colony House. First off, I had never listened to Colony House ever. I didn't know that was a band. And he's mm. like, just listen to this one song. And I'm like, nope, I have to start at number one. I assume that every song has a purpose. <laughs> right, right. Maybe they don't, um, but that's, and I loved it. So someone sits down, they, they, they load up the EP when it's finally out. And um, mm. in a minute, I'm going to ask you how we can help make that happen. Because yes. I think people should hear these songs. Like I feel mm. selfish that I've heard these songs because I genuinely was so moved. What do you want them to be at the end? Like, so they start with recover and they end yes. with, I don't know if the songs are in the same order that you're yeah, releasing. So, do, it, so does God is the final song. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause that's not the last one that I've been listening to. So yes. what do you want them to walk away with? Like when they sit down, they turn it off and they're like, ah, like what, what yeah. are you trying to evoke? Well, I think for one thing, I hope people can listen and process in that, that they can process that these songs are all, expressions of grief and pain and loss. I would not call this a happy EP. No, no, it's not. Your your other one it's was. It's a lament. It, the strings, yes. it's beautiful. Um, this one is, yeah, this one is very sad. Yeah. And so I don't like want to fool people into thinking that they're going to feel better after this. I do hope that people can hear it and that it allows them to put some sort of language on the experiences that they have had and don't, haven't been able to process for themselves that they can go, I went through that and now I see it, you know, like this, this song helps me see that I went through that and that I'm not alone Mm. because that's the reality. The reality is you're not alone, you know, and that my story is not unique, unfortunately. And that's really my ultimate hope. Um, Whether or not like people leave, I, I put does God on the EP last because I do feel like it's my most hopeful song. Um, and I, I do want people to leave feeling less alone, Yeah. but, but it is an expression of pain and loss for sure. As I was listening, I'm like, I've been there. I've been there. Mm. Had that conversation last week, did an episode <laughs> on that one, the one before read a book mm. on that one. And yeah, so yeah, so definitely. If you're going to say what God is mm. and you're like, all right, I as Clay have got this figured out. Like, what are you going to say? So if I ask you, you know, what is, who is, how, whatever that is, like, what is God? What is that? Yeah. Why not? I would say that God is all. Like my shirt says, love is all. Mm. If God is love, then God is all. Where do you want people to go? Mm-hmm. How do we maybe help get the dang thing? Like, what do you need them to do? To Like, sure. how, how does this happen? Where do you want people to go do the things? Sure. So Recover is out right now, and it's on all of the streaming services. Uh, there's a lyric video on YouTube. The easiest way, I don't know when you're going to air this, but we are going to start a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter to help basically put the rest of the EP out. 
So by the time this airs, I will have that up and you'll be able to find all that information on any of my social media sites. But the easiest way, if you use Linktree and that that will have, I don't know, have you ever seen Linktree before? I have. But I even tried case, to make one once and I was like, I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy, especially like for like Twitter. It doesn't yeah. work as good on Facebook, but so linktree.com slash Forrest Clay. That's Forrest with two R's. Okay. Um, that will have a link to every one of my sites, Facebook, Twitter, but generally you're going to find me at Forest Clay Music on any of the sites. Perfect. And so by the time this airs, we will have whatever information we need to get the rest of this thing funded. And I, and I don't really need a ton of money to, to finish it, but I do need some. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll count me in because I think it needs awesome. to get heard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you send me the link Appreciate and I, I mean that, count me in. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's in here now because I can't edit it out of the video. So I'm, I'm committed. Awesome. Yeah, Clay, Thank you so much for your time um, mm. and for your um, trust and sending me your music. I really appreciate it. And nope, uh, thanks pleasure. for coming on, man. Nope. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I thought about many ways to end this episode and there's going to be this request and it's the one that I often make, but this show is produced by the patrons of the show and recently by a little bit of ad revenue. And I am so very thankful for that. I can't even express how thankful like, This is a thing, and I can do this because of you all. If you get anything at all out of these episodes, consider chipping in a cheap coffee a month and helping the show to grow. Another easy way that you can help this show grow and reach more people is just share it on social media, share it with friends and family, share it with people in your church or your faith community that are also wrestling with some big things, especially this year. Or you can rate and review it on iTunes. It costs very little time and absolutely no money, but it does help. Now, I struggled, as I said a minute ago, with what to say to end this episode because, because I used to be, I feel, I feel like I used to be better at closing and opening the episodes, but I just sit down in front of this microphone. I say what's on my heart as I keep the episode in mind and I, I just reflect on the day or the week. And one of the songs, and I think it was referenced in the episode, is called O Church, but I find it a song that seems to speak quite well to the way that I feel, at least for today. Take care. Be blessed. I'll talk with you next week. Hope Church When did we lose our way? When did the size of our buildings become the foundation? When
Let that be us.